We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co-owner of Rotoviz. Sean, we are into the second show of the week. We're heading towards week three. Uh, something that popped up after we finished the last day that I went and checked is uh, this show is actually episode 291 of Rotoviz Overtime. And uh, we're always thinking of ways to include the listeners. And we mentioned last week about uh, the introduction to the show and which players we should have in that. We're still looking for your suggestions. I'm going to close that off at the end of this week and set up that new intro. But myself and Sean have discussed the possibility of maybe doing a non-NFL kind of Q&A for the listeners as a bonus show after episode 300. So if you have any interesting questions that they'd like to pose to myself or Sean that maybe aren't specifically uh, zero RB related, I guess we'll say, um, you can send them over our way. Um, send them to me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland or email them over to OvertimeIreland at gmail.com. Uh, I think that'll be a fun show to put together. It's been something that's been suggested by a few listeners. So that's something that we're looking into. But 291 episodes in the book, Sean. It's hard to believe they have gone in uh, in as swift a fashion as that as we charge towards episode 300 ahead of week three of the NFL. It is, but it's been a lot of fun. And it's been great to uh, build the community, enjoy the community. The listeners are doing really well in the listener leagues so far. So we've had a blast with that. And uh, Colm, I can't wait for the next 300. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be us uh, probably at the rate we're going. It could be just next season. We'll be heading towards episode 600 uh, at the rate we put out content this off season. But it was a lot of fun. You mentioned uh, the listener interaction. That has been phenomenal. Sean, on today's show, we're going to dive into some Zero RB stuff. I know we, I guess people are going to expect us to do it, but the Zero RB watch list is something that I always think is a fantastic piece of content on the site. Obviously, we talk about the tools and the content, but zero rb watch list helps set you up to see where those uh, opportunities may be lying we mentioned it last week sean is doing one of the conferences per week blair andrews is doing the other so it's two parts both conferences fully covered and uh, sean this week um, some interesting stuff to look through but in terms of backfields um, and maybe how things are going or aren't going or what the perception is uh, i know somebody you wanted to talk about was 
Clyde edwards alaire and the Kansas City Chiefs running back situation. It is, and and so many things have gone right through the first couple of weeks. Uh, the TJ Hawkinson explosion has been carrying a ton of teams, and in each league where I don't have him, certainly if we passed, then uh, it's excruciating. If he went before ADP, which happened in a bunch of our drafts as well, then obviously that's disappointing. We also have to look at some of the predictions that are not looking great right now and try and decide if we think these are bounce back situations if we think that the player simply isn't as good as we hoped you know if we're going to say that we're completely wrong one of the backfields we talked about in the zero running back watch list we're looking for these running backs who can emerge and can turn your team into a super team as we go down the stretch column i was kind of looking through my main events and if the season ended today, which you know, obviously just two weeks, six of 11 of them would be in the playoffs. And I think that's pretty encouraging considering the number of teams that have uh, heavy Barkley or Burrow players that were really expecting to perform better over the second half of the season. And then obviously just with the zero RB dynamic, the wide receiver heavy dynamic, we expect the bye weeks to really be blowouts for us. And we expect these teams to get better as we go along, as these running backs emerge. We talk a lot about humility-based drafting and drafting so that you can win even when you're wrong. And there are definitely going to be cases that we're wrong. (laughs) I'm very upfront in the fact that I'm going to be wrong all the time. What we're trying to figure out is structurally, both in terms of full team tactics and then individual player draft tactics, what gives us the most overall upside? How can we put these teams together? But then uh, sometimes what looks to be a compelling thesis before the season is definitely not panning out. And I think that we're definitely seeing that with the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So Clyde Edwards-Alaire, not a huge game in week one, but some encouraging notes. Week two, he just has 6.3 expected points, which that's bad in and of itself, right? He underperforms that. We talked in week one that he was getting all of the touches. That's important. That's been Andy Reid's MO with his starting back and his back's have been really handpicked to be guys who can be three down types of players. You're almost looking at space types of backs that he likes to be the headliner. You think about Brian Westbrook, you think about LaShawn McCoy, Clyde Edwards Alaire, they wanted to be the next guy in line. We had a lot of skepticism about that last year, just in terms of CH's talent. But then going into this season with where he was being drafted with that profile, with the suggestion from Chiefs camp that he was emerging. It made some sense to bet on that coming to fruition. Week two was a disaster, right? He did not look good. They don't throw him the ball at all. And this is despite the Ravens doing everything they can to take away Tyreek Hill. And so you have guys like Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson getting involved, but not the player that you spent this first round pick on. We also had a situation where he got 13 of the 17 running back touches for Kansas City. But he lost some of the most important ones. He lost a goal line touch to Darrell Williams, who scored. He lost a target to Jarek McKinnon that was also down by the goal line. And then the play that everybody will remember will be the fumble that cost him the game. I mean, they had this game won, and he fumbles there at the end. So we look at that. We even jump into the advanced stats, try and find some redeeming numbers for him. One of the other players we're a little bit disappointed in right now is James Conner. But Conner continues to actually put up some 
good peripherals. Uh, even though the eyeball test would suggest that Connor has not played particularly well, uh, he has been, according to the Charters, breaking tackles, evading tackles. Uh, we've seen him with the epic straight arm. Edwards Lair, we're not necessarily seeing that, right? Uh, he's got 27 attempts on the season. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Only 29 of those attempts have come after contact. And you don't have to be a huge after contact kind of guy as long as you're generating a ton of yardage before contact. One of the things we're seeing with this revamped offensive line, seeing with the fact that the defenses are playing to take away the pass, is that CH is not encountering the same resistance at the line of scrimmage that he did a year ago. He's only been hit at the line just a little over 20% of the time. He's only been stuffed a little over 20% of the time. And yet when he gets into the secondary there, he's not making the big plays. If you're not going to be a highlight producer and you're not going to catch passes, then being the guy who supposedly is going to benefit from number one, the elite offense, and number two, from the pass catching, we lose those elements. So on the one hand, I think that this is a great buy low opportunity. On the other it just it's hard to see this thesis that I put forth in the offseason really coming true at this point. He just doesn't seem to have the talent. And while they give lip service to the idea that he's going to be a big part of the offense and they're not using the other running back. So he is a big part from that perspective. It, it just hasn't come together through a couple of weeks. And while you want to hold tight, if you drafted him, uh, this is a disappointment for me. Yeah, it is a, there's a huge disappointment. You mentioned about the offseason, some of our thought processes when we drafted him and, and some of the leagues that we're in together. And part of that was, you know, explosive offense, get the majority of the opportunities and make the most of them. But as you mentioned, we're into week two. We touched on the show earlier this week about the Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard dynamic where, you know, he has standalone value. Now, the other guys I don't think have standalone value, but the problem is is losing those valuable touches in the red zone at the goal line and not getting the work in the passing game either. So there's a lot of red flags that are popping up. And based on what we've seen last year as well, the hope was that things would be much better from in year two in the NFL and, and pretty much everything that we could have thought might have went wrong and continued to be seen from what we've seen last year has continued and then as you mentioned the fumble at the end of the game it's just like one of those situations where whatever could go wrong is kind of going wrong at the moment for CEH so we'll see if he can turn it around again and one of the best offenses in the NFL he's in a prime position if he if he doesn't make it work here it's gonna be very hard to make it work elsewhere but one of the offenses Sean that did get the running backs working very very well this past weekend was the Buffalo Bills Zach Moss obviously was a healthy scratch in week one came back into the lineup for week two early in the game uh, Devin Singletary looking very very good with a, a long rushing touchdown looked explosive Zach Moss though in his own right looking pretty good as well so the both of the guys finishing this one with double digit expected points and also at least five points uh, over expectation as well from them interesting note that you have or the Blair has in this sorry is that three of Moss's eight carries were from inside the 10 yard line he did score on two of them so the usage of how it's divvied up for both of these guys is going to be interesting but I think both of them look pretty good I thought Devin Singletary looked really really good um how did you feel about how um the Bills looked and something that you touched on last week again you've touched on often when you talk about Singletary is kind of 
his evasive nature and that was on display again this past week it was we've seen him have such great peripherals and not get the fantasy value from it and then somewhat humorously some of the peripheral numbers in this game aren't quite as good in part because he's so good at the vision element of it and then getting through that hole because he came through more or less unmolested on that one then he gets the long run but there's no broken tackle evaded tackle on that one and so we have a situation now where through two games Singletary already has 107 yards before contact which you get if you have this ability to get through the line and break the big play so he's averaging over six yards per attempt obviously that's not going to continue the entire season but it's very encouraging to see him create these big plays because a season ago one of the problems was the bills didn't block anybody their guys were getting hit at or behind the line and then even if you perform well it's going to be difficult to be efficient as a running back especially if it's a high volume pass offense and your quarterback is stealing some of these rush touchdowns all of that kind of thing well we talk a lot about accepting the fact that we don't know what's going to happen right and we don't want to be overly confident in terms of how an offense is going to look a lot of people shying away from the bills backs because of josh allen because of the pass heavy nature because he steals some of the value now this could be a a sort of a one-week fluke we had the running backs score three times but one of the things that's happened in the early going is that josh allen has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl in terms of converting air yards and so the passing game hasn't been as dynamic i think that he's too good stefan diggs is too good i don't know that their peripheral receivers are that great but they're going to be effective in the passing game. It's not like this, everything is going to completely change. But one of the things we talked about after week one is that Josh Allen was taking some brutal hits. And when you have a Super Bowl caliber team, you have a franchise quarterback, and you really have like a decade where you have this Super Bowl window, right? You look at teams like the Ravens, like the Chiefs, like the Bills, young dynamic quarterbacks, overall strong teams. You've got a strong front office, you've got good coaching you're in the window the whole time and you need to get as many buys as you can get into the AFC championship game as many times as you can, and then use that element to win as many Super Bowls as you can. But it's not just building this great team in any given year. It's giving yourself as many shots at it as possible. Well, if Allen takes the kind of hits that he took in week one, then your window could close at any moment because you, you just don't want your quarterback, even if he's that big and athletic, You don't want him taking hits like that throughout every game all season long. And so especially, I think, if you do have running backs who are pretty good, I think the question with Singletary and Moss was, and this was even a question during draft season, do they go and draft somebody else? But I mean, I I think these guys are above average. I don't think either one of them is a superstar. I don't think we're going to come back at the end of the season and say Devin Singletary is Nick Chubb or you know Christian McCaffrey or anything like that. I don't think we're going to come back and say, you know, uh, Zach Moss is Jim Brown. But I do think that these guys are, are okay. And we saw that in this game here. Moss breaks some tackles. He scores a couple of touchdowns. Both guys can catch the ball all right. So I like these players. One of the things that is going to be tricky is that every week when you go to set your starting lineup, you're going to have a little bit of apprehension. Right, because I don't think that we're going to develop into a spot, especially if both guys are healthy, where any given week you can be comfortable. But that's kind of what the running back position is like. You think about all of the teams, even some of the teams that look good in week one and have good players. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles have two good players in Miles Sanders 
and Kenny Gainwell, and there was nothing there this past week for a variety of reasons. And so based on what you paid to draft these guys is looking very promising for Singletary and Moss. Hey everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sean, you touched on it there just before the break. The Philadelphia Eagles, not a great out. And again, people probably were expecting, myself included, to be a lot more point scoring than it was between themselves and the 49ers. Um, in terms of the running backs, we've seen Gainwell in week one get some interesting usage and get those touchdowns. We've seen Sanders look quite good in week one as well. But week two, not a lot was achieved from from either running back based on the, the overall situation. Um, Gainwell, though, I think it has to be pretty positive based on his usage so far. But, but what's your overall thoughts on the, the Eagles' backfield here moving forward? So we got solid EP numbers again for Sanders and Gainwell, but in part Sanders gets to 11.9 because he has a carry from the one yard line. He gets stuffed on that. The receiving EP for Sanders is down to two, which we know that anything below like six means that you're going to be a questionable or a tricky weekly start. Gainwell a little bit higher, not as much in the running game as he had last week and one of the things that we were concerned about and that comes into play in terms of anytime you're looking at these eagles backs a little bit of a similar thing to what we're looking at with the bills backs where jalen hurts is a real wild card for you now we talked about after week one that it looked like we might get the best of both worlds this offense that nick sirianni is bringing from indianapolis and has a lot of targets to the running backs 
has leaned heavily on the running backs to generate uh, value both as runners and receivers. And we might get the value of Jalen Hurts as this sort of hybrid QB, keep the drives going, all of that kind of thing. Well, week two was pretty much just a worst case scenario, right? You get 10 scrambles from Hurts, only three running back targets. So this question of, you know, is the scrambling quarterback going to hurt the running backs as pass catchers in week two it definitely didn't he also vultured the only score of the game you know, plunging in from one yard out and so those things are both pretty negative for the eagles one of the reasons why this is such, such a weird game and a game where the scoring was not kind of what we anticipated is that Jalen Hurts threw a ton of deep balls. And we covered a little bit the guys that he went after and how those passes were incomplete. But in week two, he had 324 intended air yards and only 84 completed air yards. Now, this 26% conversion rate, uh, probably not going to get it done <laughs> in terms of sustaining these drives and creating yeah. opportunities down at the one yard i think that he's going to play better than that we had some near misses to a variety of players that was one of the reasons why on my monday column talked about smith and rager and those guys being by low options so i think that these running backs will bounce back but we definitely saw this week what the concerns are and why the prices on them were also maybe not yeah, they just simply weren't that expensive in part because these red flags did exist. Yeah, and the ones you mentioned, like those points kind of left on the board in terms of like things just didn't work out. They had the the deep touchdown, obviously, to Rager that, that obviously doesn't exist anymore because he didn't get into the end zone uh, properly. And then we had the deep pass to Devontae Smith as well, which I believe on that drive, uh, they also didn't get into the end zone uh, after four downs. So um, there was... You know a way that this game could have had a lot more points than it actually and ended up having but we'll see what um happens moving forward i still think that it's gonna be an interesting offense and i think there is upside to a lot of the pieces in this philadelphia eagles team the other team sean i wanted to touch on we have talked about it a little bit more in the offseason we haven't touched on it much uh, through the first week and a half off the season that is the washington football team's backfield with antonio gibson and jd mckissick mckissick was somebody who last year um had a lot of success for people in terms of uh you know ppr and, and getting those receptions particularly in the, the latter part of the season um he had you know pretty pretty substantial snap share this past week 44 percent versus 61 for gibson but he did have the six targets which is a, a big boost to him so in terms of overall opportunities mckissick had five less so he finished with 10 uh, 15 to antonio gibson but i think the receptions obviously is a, a big part with the target share 14 percent versus the five percent that gibson got how are you feeling now through two weeks through the usage i think there's positives to both sides of the story it just depends on which side that you're leaning on more i think gibson's usage has been pretty solid overall but then obviously mckissick's usage in week two was uh, a big boost for for his uh, drafters as well it was and mckissick actually was dropped to the wire in a number of my pretty important leagues this week and so it'll be a question of you know what you <laughs> for him right because we do see that antonio gibson is emerging right he's getting more of the routes more of the targets on first down second down those plays also matter 
and they're going to be in some ways more stable than the two-minute drill or the desperation types of drives. One of the reasons why this game uh, got to be a little bit weird is it had a lot of two-minute to it, both in terms of the end of the first half there and then as they're fighting to win the game at the end, get in there for that late field goal. And it, it seems a little bit more skewed as well when McKissick, because he gets in with the rushing touchdown on the two-minute drill and because he has the 56-yard reception, which was a highlight play, he looked great. One of the things that Blair has talked about really over the last year and a half. And, you know, keep in mind, this comes from uh, someone who was on a team with me where McKissick really carried us. So it's not like we have anything against McKissick. We love him. He hasn't been particularly efficient from a fantasy points over expectation perspective. That's one of the reasons why Jarrett Patterson seemed like he might be able to get in there and take some of the opportunity. That hasn't happened. I think McKissick is kind of pushing back and saying, look, you know, I've worked with quarterbacks who maybe aren't the best. Some of these sort of throwaway uh, targets to me, you know, I I shouldn't be, that shouldn't be held against me, right? And he looks great in this game. I think the, the concern for Gibson managers is simply that McKissick did look good. And anytime that you have a big game, it can't help but impact how the coaches think of it. And so if he had been inefficient, that would have been a lot better for Gibson, who, you know, is breaking out. He's got 40 touches through two weeks. Seven of those have been targets. There is no problem with where Gibson is, especially when you consider that his ADP, you know, most of the time in the mid-second round, I think he can still pay off that price as much as, you know, most any running backs can. It just, you know, there was this dream that he could emerge as not necessarily Christian McCaffrey, but an Alvin Kamara could emerge kind of in the way that we saw Aaron Jones emerge on Monday Night Football, have that type of impact, and and he's not so far. So that's obviously disappointing. Another player, Sean, that I think there's probably concern around and how things are playing out from through those opening weeks of the season is Saquon Barkley, obviously New York Giants running back. Uh, Devontae Booker also in the mix there and Elijah Penny. This week as well, obviously, a lot of rushing attempts for Daniel Jones, a couple of those being uh, designed runs as well. So obviously look, looking quite good on those runs. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the backfield shakes out. Now, obviously, Saquon Barkley is going to get pretty much all of the work, but he's coming back from the injury. There's concerns around the injury. There's concerns around the offense and the opportunities overall. Like getting all the touches isn't going to mean a lot of all the touches are nowhere near the, the opponent's goal line and the offensive line isn't opening any holes so what have you seen from Barkley through those opening two games is there anything that has eased your concerns or have those concerns widened there have been positives and negatives with Barkley right the two big headlines for him after week two and, and again this was on a short week where he had even said this isn't ideal for me trying to come back from this injury and yet his snap share jumps up 84%. That's in line with his career average. He has the 41-yard run. That mitigates concerns about his explosiveness as he's coming back from this injury. The problem comes in in basically everything else, right? Uh, there is concern about the quality of this offense. You mentioned, you know, are there going to be goal line touches? There haven't been a lot, obviously, through two weeks, but that's maybe a little bit fluky. I guess at this point, I'm less concerned about the quality of the offense because I think that Daniel Jones is coming alive in a way that can allow him to at least be decent. Madison Parkhill had a good article on him and toward the beginning of the draft season talking about some of these things that he does, including uh, this rush 
value that he brings to the table. So uh, we targeted him in a couple of our Superflex Dynasty startups because he has this youth, he has this rushing value. In Superflex, especially, you're trying to figure out how you can address QB without paying the insane prices in those formats. And he looks like he's going to be a good pick. They have a little bit of a, a stealth, I don't know, quality to their receiving core, right? Darius Slayton makes some big plays in this game. Sterling Shepard is getting open at will. At some point, we expect Kenny Galladay to you know, get a little bit healthier, get a little more comfortable with the offense, with the quarterback, start to make some plays. He's been you know, the big disappointment there as a receiver. And so the offense, I think, will be okay. The issue is how are the expected points what's this expected points profile for Barkley going to be like once we get into the middle of the season because one of the reasons why we gamble on him in a number of leagues is because he's one of the only guys who has this scoring profile that will allow him to really be a star and you look at the EP from week two like 11.3 now he underperformed that a little bit which is also you know unfortunate for you but it's really just the scoring profile that you're worried about because you know that it's going to be some ups and downs with the efficiency, especially right now when we don't think he's quite as good as he'll be in another month. 11.3 won't get it done, right? We're looking for almost twice that. When he was a rookie, he averaged the EP double-double. We're talking about guys like David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and he did it looking a lot more athletic than they are, and so he had even more value with it. In his follow-up season, he averaged you know, 17.5, which is again, pretty good. And of that 8.2 was receiving value so far this season, he's at 4.7. And now again, we know, especially with week one, that that was going to be kind of weird. He sat out a lot of garbage time where he could have racked up a lot of extra receiving value if they weren't just kind of protecting him. So you run into the thing where their reality needs (laughs) smashed into our fantasy needs. It didn't work out at that point. My concern is that Daniel Jones may have the qualities in a quarterback that really mitigate the value to the running back in the passing game. Through two weeks, he's averaging 7.5 rush attempts per game. Again, some of that is just that they're not wanting to go to Barkley that much right now. But not only has he done that, but he's broken a lot of big plays. So again, you think about what's going to stick in the coach's mind. Those big plays are only going to encourage them to run that more. He also ranks number three in air yards per attempt, trailing only Russell Wilson and Teddy Bridgewater. (laughs) Kind of funny to see Bridgewater on the list there. But one of the things that's been very obvious just watching the games is that Barkley is running a number of routes, appears to be getting open, maybe not open quite the same way that McCaffrey does, where as soon as he makes his break, then he's wide open. You're like, oh, this is just an easy pitch and catch. But he's open, and Daniel Jones will go down the field. And so, you know, that's good and bad from... A reality perspective you're completing those passes you know a, a 15 yard pass is better than a five yard pass but again we're talking about how does this play out for fantasy and barkley you know there there are some red flags there so kind of looking at those things i still like to have barkley i think when you have the combination of an elite talent with a potentially elite scoring profile then even if we if these concerns play out, we still have a decent floor and it's not going to kill you as long as Barkley stays healthy. You know, that's more or less the question with, with anybody, especially these guys that you draft early. You know, most of them are not going to kill you if they stay healthy. But we like the floor. I would like to see the ceiling for Barkley develop over the next month. If Daniel Jones emerges and actually plays well, is completing a bunch of passes deep to Slayton, is getting Sterling Shepard open in that intermediate area consistently, 
then you know it, it may be a little bit of a new ball game in a way that doesn't work out for us. Yeah, and we'll see that over the, the coming weeks. But uh, I think we all are rooting for Barkley to get back to somewhere close to his previous best uh, early in his NFL career to see that happen this season will be great. In terms of what will be great the rest of the week, Sean, is, of course, Stadium Bananas podcasts that are available on the Stadium Bananas podcast channel. And, of course, we will be back with another show on Saturday for everyone to listen in to. Um, of course, if you are a Rotoviz listener and maybe you're not yet a Rotoviz subscriber, you can become a Rotoviz subscriber by signing up over at rotoviz.com. You can get a 10% discount as a loyal podcast listener to get access to all of our content and tools. All you have to do is use the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information i did mention earlier that we are heading towards episode 300 we are looking for suggestions for the players on the kind of mount rushmore of the uh road of his overtime intro theme so uh, keep sending them in we've got a lot of suggestions i will maybe put that to some sort of a poll this time next week and we'll get that set up and of course any questions you have that you maybe you've always wanted to find out something about sean siegel but we haven't given you the opportunity to bring it up on the show he did give some interesting donut takes again this past tuesday but uh we'll get some thoughts as well on anything you can think would be a good question we're going to do a bonus show after episode 300 which will be coming up in the next three or four weeks but that is going to bring us to the end of today's show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel as well check out the piece that we mentioned today the zero rb watch list of course there is his part and blair andrew's part check them out on rotaviz.com and until we're back on saturday with another show have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.